Have you ever felt overwhelmed by navigating what family worship should look like? That's the topic of today's episode on the Dorenda Wilson podcast. Welcome, everyone. I'm Dorenda, wife to one for 33 years, mom to eight, Nana to 10, and 28-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of The Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, The Four-Hour School Day, How You and Your Kids Can Thrive in the Homeschool Life, and Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, which is a devotional that I wrote for homeschool moms. You can find all three of those books on Amazon. You can also find them at my website, DorendaWilson.com, and you can find The Four-Hour School Day at any of your favorite booksellers in addition to the places that I just mentioned. If you are interested in receiving a digital download of a devotional that I wrote to accompany the four-hour school day. You can do that really easily by following the link in the show notes and subscribing to my monthly newsletter. So if you're interested in that free devotional, please click on the link and do that. I also wanted to remind you that I will be in Northern California July 21st and 22nd for the Northern California Homeschool Convention. I will leave a link in the show notes in case any of you are in the vicinity and we can actually have the privilege of meeting face-to-face. I'll also be at a small event in Prosser, Washington, which is near the Tri-Cities, on July 29th called Schooling at Home Symposium. I will also leave a link in the show notes for that as well to make it easy for you to get to. I want to remind you that I have a mentoring course. So if you're interested in knowing a little more broadly and deeply what it looks like to take a simple, unhurried approach to homeschooling, kindergarten to 12th grade, this is a series of videos that I created um, specifically to do that with lots of resources, lots of stories, lots of examples, very, very practical. Um, So I hope you'll check that out. I'll leave a link in the show notes to that as well. It is the Unhurried Homeschooler Mentoring Course. Lastly, you've heard me talk about CTC Math for some time now, but have you tried it out yet? CTC Math provides online video tutorials that make learning math easy and effective. This online math program uses creative graphics and animation that are sure to grab and keep your child's attention. You can start your free trial today by visiting ctcmath.com. That's ctcmath.com. All right, moms, we all know that God calls us to worship on Sundays with other believers, um, but we also know that we are biblically called to disciple our children. And part of that means worship, in other words, time in the word and prayer with our kids, um, that that should be a daily practice. Now, this can actually feel very intimidating, um, especially if we're not sure exactly what it's supposed to look like. It can bring feelings of intense fear of failure that can keep us from enjoying the blessings that God intended family worship to be. So today, Steve Demi is here to talk with us about ways to take the overwhelm out of family worship. Steve and his wife, Sandra, have been married since 1979. They have been blessed with four sons three lovely daughters-in-law, and five special grandchildren. Their fourth son has Down syndrome and lives with them in, uh uh-oh, Steve, help me out here. How do you say that? Uh, Lidditz. Lidditz. Okay, I knew I was going to say it wrong. Uh, But Steve has served in uh, full or part-time pastoral ministry for many years after graduating from Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. He is the creator of Matthew C. I know many, many, many of you are familiar with that, and the founder of Building Faith Families. So Steve, welcome. We're so thankful to have you here today. Thank you, Dorinda. Lovely to be here. Well, I'm excited because I know that family worship is something that 
I think a lot of families struggle with just because of that fear of failure and not sure what it's supposed to look like. And um, you wrote an article recently in Homeschooling Today that was just so, uh, so great. And so um, it just was simple. It got to the point. It was, it sort of took that overwhelm out of family worship. And, in you know, after reading that, I thought, you know what, I need to have Steve on to talk about this because I think it really is something that families need encouragement in. Um, you know, whenever we feel fearful or overwhelmed about something, uh, it always seems to me like a good idea to go back to remembering what the purpose is to help bring clarity. So, Steve, what would you say is the purpose of family worship? That's a really good question. Um, I did not grow up in a Christian home. Mm -hmm. I I was the first person to come to Christ in our family at a Young Life ranch in Colorado as a teenager. And uh, later, when my wife and I met and we got married, I did not know what family worship was supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, but I knew in my heart that it, this was something that I needed to be doing. Now, right. my wife, on the other hand, did grow up in a home of uh, her dad was a pastor, her grandfather was a pastor, as was her great-grandfather. So very different upbringings. Right. And But... So what we did in our family is we we used to talk about what is our purpose even for homeschooling our kids. Mm-hmm. And one of the big things that we came to was we need to train our children to live forever. Mm-hmm. Mm, <laughs> that, that was it. Ultimately, we want to influence our children to choose Jesus and follow him. Now, mm-hmm. we, we can't pick for our kids. That's not our department, Mm -hmm. but we can influence them and we can pray for them and we can teach them God's word and we can model our faith in our homes. Mm -hmm. But when it came to teaching God's word, we really felt that was our responsibility. Now, any help that the church could give, great, that's gravy, but it's our job to make sure that our children know God's word. And when you think about it, God's word itself points us to Jesus. I mean, Jesus said, yeah, you, these words that you're reading, you think that they lead to eternal life, but they point towards me. And all scripture is pointing towards Christ. And Galatians mm-hmm. even says that the scripture is like a tutor, which brings us to Christ. So we felt like teaching the word of God to our kids was essential. And so that was number one on our list. That was our big rock. If you've ever seen the illustration of the big rocks, that was our big rock was to teach God's word to our kids every day. Then I'll just go ahead and finish the thought. We wanted to give them a good foundation in grammar, language arts, math, and then we wanted to give them a love for learning. And that was our that was our simple and yet pretty pretty big uh, purpose for home mm-hmm. educating our kids, which was number one, family devotions, family worship, uh, however you want to call it. I love that. You know, so I'm curious, um, having not come from a, a Christian family and any of that kind of background, when did you discover or realize or how did you know that family worship was important? I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember. I think I've been in uh, other Christians' homes that had family worship. I don't mm-hmm. remember when the light bulb went on, mm-hmm. but um, I knew the importance of reading God's Word. Now, do you want to hear mm-hmm. how much of a fanatic I am? This will be interesting. <laughs> I remember going to classes for uh, childbirth. 
classes. Mm-hmm. I call mm-hmm. them the class for Lamaze and La Paz. But anyway, right. <laughs> so we're going to classes and then you start learning things like how a child in the womb can hear their parents' voices and can hear music and can discern things. And uh, I took that thought so that when my oldest boy was just a baby, I would just sit in my bed and have him lying between my legs and just read to him scripture mm-hmm. um, as a baby. Mm. And so, again, I think that's maybe where the first thought happened. But right. in a nutshell, when our children were young, we read the Bible to them. Mm-hmm. When they got older, old enough to read themselves, we read the Bible with them. Right. That, that, in a nutshell, very simply put, is mm-hmm. what we did for our family worship times. Mm. And, you know, I think um, what you said was key. Um, it, you didn't say it directly, but sort of indirectly that, you know, his word doesn't come back void. So even if your child isn't fully cognitating what you're reading as you were reading the Bible to your baby, there is still benefit to it because it doesn't come back void and because God's word is living and active. So it's not like any other word out there, any other written word. And so I think that's something that I don't, I think we need to be reminded of that. It's not just another book. I remember telling our kids, um, you know, when they they would get restless during, during Bible reading time or whatever, and I felt like they weren't paying attention, I would just remind them, you know, God says that these aren't just words. They are your life. Like this is where life comes from. And so if that's something that we can somehow over time communicate and instill into our kids, I think that's key. It's, it's, and just the fact that you're taking the time to read every day. I don't think it has to be copious amounts of time, but just the faithfulness of going back to it. And, you know, I know for me, our family fell off the wagon so many times along the way. And I just remember at a certain point, you know, when you're like 15 years into it, where you start to go, what's the point of going back? I just, we just keep, you know, we just periodically still fall off the wagon. And then those words would just, that I said to my kids would go through my brain. You know, his word does not come back void. Um, you know, these aren't just words, they are your life. And I thought, okay, we're going, we're going to get back on the wagon. We're going to do this again. And you know, that alone, now my kids now as adults, um, remind me that that faithfulness is what helped them see how important scripture reading is and, and, you know, reading the Bible and reading it together as a family. So yeah, I, I'm just loving picturing you reading to your baby. Um, I think that's just so sweet. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, you've triggered two thoughts. And mm-hmm. the first one is, uh, you said all scripture is living and active. Mm-hmm. That's from Hebrews. But there's mm-hmm. another one. And I bet you most of the people here have either memorized or have learned. Right. All scripture is breathed out by God, profitable mm-hmm. for teaching, for reproof, for correction, etc. But what they don't know is that the verse before it says, Mm -hmm. from childhood, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation Mm -hmm. through faith in Christ Jesus. And that was Mm -hmm. Paul Mm -hmm. talking to Timothy. Mm -hmm. And it looks like it was his grandmother and his mother that read him the word of God and Mm -hmm. it bore fruit because then Paul became his mentor and he became Timothy. So Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I love that. And as far as falling off the wagon, now I don't know what <laughs> that's a good expression, but <laughs> let's just say that 
when we when we started to, to to make this a regular part of the warp and woof of our home, um, things would happen. Somebody would get right. sick. Life would mm-hmm. happen. You'd miss a week, and it was hard to start in again. And mm-hmm. you, you're beating yourself up, and you're dealing with condemnation because you're supposed to be faithful and all that. But the verse that encouraged me the most was Proverbs twenty four sixteen. The righteous man falls seven times mm-hmm. and gets up again. That's it. And mm-hmm. and I think that's a righteous guy that's falling, and he's right. making attempts, and he's falling, but he just keeps getting up. And yes. took, my wife is the one in our home that grew up this, you know, this way. So mm-hmm. she, she's the real steady, she's got a calendar, she plans things. She's very good on follow through. Mm. I, I can be mercurial, and up, you know, get really inspired for a while and then fall off the wagon, so to speak. But right. you know what? It took a while before it became a regular part of our home. But I look back now and I think it's one of the highlights of our experience as a family was reading mm-hmm. God's word. And if we had time, we would sing a hymn. If we had time, we would go around the room and ask each person to uh, share something that they learned that morning. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it was, it was contingent upon our time. But bottom sure. line, I would pray we would read a chapter of scripture aloud this mm-hmm. worked for our family. We would read three verses a piece. We experimented with different amounts. None were as, as good as three verses. Okay. And then after we finished that, like I said, if we had time, we sang. If we had time, we gave a chance for each person to share what they learned. And that it takes eight minutes minimum, 15 right. minutes max. And it just, but it just changed the whole tenor of the home to start yes. off your yes. days in the, in the word of God. Yeah, and it's it's like the same reason we do it personally is we get up and we know like we wake up in a sinful world with a flesh that we're dealing with and an enemy that we're dealing with and uh, and so the first thing that is wise to do is to align ourselves with um, with Scripture with the Lord with His truths and so I would call it almost like a compass or an or a, a reorienting ourselves making sure that we are oriented the right direction before we step forward into our day doing the things that God's called us to do. Um, Because you do really, it it can take a completely different trajectory um, just based on even just a few minutes in the word and just reminding ourselves of who God is and who we are and of his faithfulness. I've been going through the Psalms, um, uh, gosh, for the last few months just one at a time and just really digging into them and just seeing this consistent message of God's faithfulness, just, you know, his, we are unfaithful. He is always faithful. He's a covenant God. He always keeps his promises. We break our promises, but he loves us and we're part of, we are his, you know? And so he continually pours out his love and his grace and his mercy on us. And so just, just that reminder every day, you know, day after day after day is uh, just such a, a way to strengthen our faith and deepen our walk with the Lord and our trust in him. And you really pretty much did answer the next question. I I was going to ask if it's possible to keep things simple and still have confidence that it will be fruitful. And so I'm going to ask a a question in addition to that, based on where you're sitting right now um, and what you just described, it sounded very simple. Um, Why do you think that it was fruitful when it was so simple? Just out of curiosity. Have you ever watched The Sound of Music? Mm-hmm. 
Okay. You know, Maria doesn't like whistles. Right. My children have no problem with whistles. So <laughs> we, we, we were in a big home and sometimes I would get up early and start working. And so different things go into the day. But ultimately, sure. my wife and I would get together and we would say, when's the best time to have family worship? And, and that changed according to mm -hmm. which job I was doing or right, responsibilities. Right, right. Mm -hmm. But once we agreed on a time, it was my job to collect the troops. So mm. I have a large whistle, which I'm not going to replicate for you right now, but I, <laughs> I, we had a big home, thank the Lord, and I would whistle and the kids would all come tromping. And I used to always think of the sound of music. You could hear yes. their feet bouncing and stuff. <laughs> so we would gather the troops. And even though I read myself, my scripture, my personal devotions, right, and I, right. God's helped me. I've read the Bible almost every year cover to cover mm. since I first jumped on the wagon. Let's put it that way. Wow, way back in amazing. the 70s. Wow. But I don't prepare for family worship. I simply whistle. I call the troops and then I turn the meeting over to him. Mm. And I'm not saying this facetiously because even though God promises to be with us, if the two or three are gathered in his name, and if we draw near to him, he'll draw near to us. Great promises. Mm. I still believe that God, being a gentleman, likes to be asked. So the mm -hmm. first thing I do is I simply pray and I invite God by his spirit to join our family and to bless us. And then mm -hmm. we go around the room, as I said, and we each read a couple verses. And then if we have time, we just say, each person briefly, what did you see today? What did you learn from this particular chapter? We usually focused on one chapter, mm -hmm. unless you were in Psalm 119. And then we would sing, if we could, a hymn. And mm -hmm. I, I wanted to sing hymns, and I can talk more about that in a minute if you want. But mm -hmm. And then I close it up in prayer. But there was hardly a time that God didn't meet me personally. Mm -hmm. And even though I read the Bible so many times, it's he's a really good teacher and he knows mm -hmm. where every single person is in that room. And I would get new insights. There's something about reading the Bible personally that's wonderful, but there's also something about reading the Bible with other believers and just letting God's spirit teach us. And mm -hmm. I was edified mm -hmm. so much in just reading the word of God each morning. Right. I love that. You know, I'm as you're talking, I'm I'm picturing some of the moms who are listening have very young ones, um, and some have younger and older. So I, I just want to take a just a minute to speak to the mom with a lot of little ones because I know how challenging it can be to have little ones sit still for any length of time. And this is one of the reasons I love what Steve is saying is it's a what he's suggesting is not lengthy. It is not something that um, even a small child couldn't sit through. Um, you know, I feel like eight to 10 minutes, a little one can and should be able to do that. Now, that's Amen. not condemnation to anybody whose little one doesn't do that right now, because it, here's the deal. We often have to train them to do that. And yeah. we can do that. Um, I feel like that's my part as the wife and the mom is to be prepared with whatever the little ones need to sit still for 10 minutes, um, whether it's, you know, just some little uh, coloring books or whether I have specific little um, 
non-noisy toys for them to play with that they only play with during family worship or a little quiet book or something that can keep them occupied for just those few minutes. And um, in that way, I have always felt like it allows my husband to uh, to do his part without frustration with, you know, with little ones making too much noise or, you know, they're going to make some noise and that's okay too. We can learn to ignore that, tune that out. It's good for all of us to practice that. <laughs> that's a discipline for us as well, because what we're saying is God's word is more important than this distraction over here. So we're going to stay focused on what God has put in front of us to do. I think the key is just obedience. You know, um, God calls us to this and he will equip us for it. He will pour out his grace on it. It will not always look neat and tidy. Sometimes it's messy. Um, I've had situations where, you know, the kids are kicking each other under the table and things like that. But, you know, you continue to um, just continue to do it, continue to be faithful. Um, for us, the gathering time that was best and, and we could be the most consistent at, my husband worked at home his schedule really didn't change much. And he was always, 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 always at the dinner table. He wouldn't necessarily be at the breakfast or lunch table. So we knew dinner time was a consistent time that he could be there. And so we would gather around the table for dinner. And as the kids were finishing up, we would crack open the Bible and and read and pray together. So it worked well for us because with eight kids, you know, once they leave the table, it's like herding cats, trying to get them back. Um, nobody wants to come. It's a drag for everybody. But when they're already at the table eating, um, it just sort of became part of the rhythm and the routine in our home. And I'm not saying you shouldn't drag them back to do it, whether they like it or not. <laughs> that's not really the issue. But it's it just I found there was less um, there were less obstacles if we just added it to our dinner rhythm and routine. So I know that there's a lot of different ways that families do this. And uh, I love what you described, Steve, because that is great for someone whose schedule is changing all the time. Like you can just get together with your spouse, decide what what is a good time and, and make that happen. So the point is that it was you were being faithful and you were committed to it. Amen. Yes. So, you know, I'm curious, we're going to have, we mostly have moms listening, but I think that dads, it would benefit them to listen to this episode as well, just to kind of help them understand like uh, their role in it and, and help moms. Maybe you could help moms understand dad's role, help dad understand his role and uh, maybe take away some of the um, preconceived ideas or assumptions that people make about family worship, specifically dads, when they're, when they, you know, hear the words, you know, you, you need to shepherd your family, you need to lead them in family worship. I think they immediately get this picture of, you know, I've got to give this five point sermon and, you know, it's got to look like church because we think, we think worship, we, we immediately church is what we picture, but family worship, it has a little different flavor. So could you kind of like clarify to dads what their role is and kind of take some of the overwhelm out of it for them? I think that, um, I mean, use the word flavor. I'm going to build mm-hmm. on that. Mm-hmm. I think every family has a different flavor mm-hmm. and every family's family worship time is going to look different. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we're going to talk about it, so I'll just tuck it in here. Uh, Years ago, I was at conferences, and I'd written the book. It was my first non-math book. It was called 
family worship, how to have family worship and what we did. And it's a short read. I don't know if it's as short as the one you were advertising for yourself, but it, you can read it in two hours because it's a two hour audio book too. Dad's oh, great. To it. Awesome. But at one point I really wanted dads to read this book. And so I had what I called a 30 day challenge and I would give the guys in the conference where I was speaking, I would say, if you want this book for free, I'll give it to you. But I want your email address because I want to follow up with you in 30 days. And if you mm -hmm. haven't read the book in 30 days, you owe me 50 bucks. <laughs> and so there was three things I was doing. Number one, I was challenging their testosterone, which mm -hmm. men like. Yes. Number two, I was giving them a deadline. And number three, there was money on the table. So right. all of these <laughs> things, and it worked. And I got mm -hmm. these letters back from men because then I followed up with an email that said, number one, have you read the book? Number two, if you have a chance, can you share with me a takeaway? What did you learn from the book that encouraged you? Right. Number three, have you had a chance to apply it? And and the the letters I got back from the men comprise about 20% of that book now. I've added wow. them to the book. Mm -hmm. Every time mm -hmm. I print, new letters keep coming in. And it's so encouraging because each man has found a different way to do it. Some men mm. meet on the trampoline. That's I call him fun dad. And then <laughs> uh, some families, as you said, they meet around the breakfast table or the dinner table. Mm -hmm. And some families, the husband and the wife read it, and then the children listen carefully, then they go out and they make a skit and they come back and they act out that chapter. I mean, mm. there are so many creative ways to do it. But as far as I'm concerned, my responsibility as a dad is to take initiative. I believe mm -hmm. God made men to take initiative. Absolutely. Everything in our culture is contrary to that, but right. still it's God. That's right. God designed men to take the initiative. And number one, it's my job to collect the troops. And so that's why I do the whistle thing. My wife doesn't need to be herding the sheep. It's my job. Mm. And then the second thing is I need to just pray and turn the meeting over to Jesus. And he mm -hmm. does show up so mm -hmm. faithfully. And mm -hmm. and and my wife was so good. I, she did not take the initiative. She didn't. Uh, but on the other hand, I don't remember a time when we had family worship that she didn't thank me when we were done. Mm. And that meant the world to me to have mm -hmm, her say, mm -hmm. thank you for leading our family this way. And mm. and nowadays with electronics the way they are, even if I was out of town, like I used to be a lot, I could still have family worship via Skype or right. FaceTime or something right. like that. So right. it's, there's really... I don't think there's any excuse, but I mm. just believe it's my job to take the bull by the horns. And mm -hmm. that's part of the beauty of the family because mm -hmm. families don't just help kids come to Christ. Kids help parents come to Christ. And mm -hmm. when the buck stops in our lap and we walk in that uh, calling that God puts on our life, we start changing too. Mm -hmm. It's not just our kids, you know, it, I, th I think that we need each other to help each other take our game to a different level. So, Absolutely. I think we definitely, I say this about homeschooling too, we are growing right alongside of our kids. We're learning right alongside of our kids. And I think it's such a powerful thing because it, it is really, it's discipleship, um, but we are, we are asking Jesus to disciple us as we disciple our children. Amen. And so it's this beautiful trickle down effect, but we have to be 
um, we have to be um, in that place where Jesus is is discipling us so that we can do um, a good job of discipling our children. Now, that doesn't mean that we have to have the answers to all their questions because, oh my goodness, we know kids can ask the most amazingly difficult questions. Uh, but I think the the most beautiful thing about being a believer and a, and a, you know, hopefully walking in humility is we look at our kids and we say, you know what? I don't have the answer to that question. That's a really good question, but let's figure it out together. Let's find out together. And, and then off you go digging in God's word and looking for answers um, to these great questions that these kids ask. And the beautiful thing about that is you're doing that in relationship with one another. Uh, You're acknowledging that he is God and you are not. (laughs) And you are also acknowledging that your kids actually have valuable things to offer, valuable insights, valuable questions, that their questions matter. And that's a beautiful thing, especially as they get into the teen years, Um, they're going to keep talking to you. They're going to keep coming to you with things because you've shown them that you're a, a, a faithful, trustworthy, safe person to share those things with. So um, I think that's just absolutely beautiful. I love that 30-day challenge, Steve. That is awesome. So, so great. <laughs> and uh, we are going to include, um, we'll have you share ways to connect with you at the end here. But I wanted to talk about just two more things briefly before we wrap it up. You mentioned hymns. Um, I am a huge fan of hymns, but tell us your thoughts on hymns and why those were important to you. Okay, I'm going to do name dropping here. Is that okay? Go for it. In the providence of God. No, I'm so grateful (laughs) for this. Um, Mm -hmm. 1976, I was attending Gordon-Conwell Seminary and God worked it out for me to be a renter slash boarder at the home of Elizabeth Elliott. Oh, 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 So oh, I, my you could have a whole podcast on this. So I anyway, do. so I, I, I lived at her home, and it was while I was in her home that uh, I got a phone call one night that my brother had passed away mm. in an automobile accident. She drove me to the airport, and she told me one sentence. She mm. said, God does not exempt us from suffering, but transforms mm. us in it, which I had mm. to repeat six more times. No. Oh. It changed my life. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. having lost her first husband to a spear and her second husband to cancer, she knew what it was like to go through valleys. And so I yes. listened when she said that. Mm. But in the beginning, I have a hymn book. I don't know if you know this. It's called Hymns for Family Worship. It's 100 hymns with the history on the other side of the page. I love those. Love and, those. And this is available, which we'll talk about in a minute. But let me mm-hmm. just read one paragraph which she wrote. Mm. Hymns will get you through the night. Mm -hmm. In January of 1956, when five women were waiting with bated breath to find out whether our husbands were dead or alive, I lay in bed in Nate Saint's home, my little daughter Valerie sick in a crib beside me. The Mm. hymn, how firm a foundation with those magnificent words taken from Isaiah 43, sustained me. And then she goes on to talk about that hymn. She said, these were memorized when I was a child in our daily family prayer time. Mm. Now, I knew her mom as well because I met wow. her when I was living there. And she, she told me, Elizabeth said, every morning her family would read a chapter of scripture, sing one hymn, and go off to school. And they would mm. start in number one in January and read 
sing through a whole hymn book during the school year. But that was just a part of their daily routine. And I had that on my heart. I thought, I want my children to learn hymns. And so that's why we used to sing hymns. Mm, I love that. And, you know, I just everything she said resonated with me because it's been my experience as well. I can't remember scripture, but I can start singing a hymn that just has those words that are so grounding because they're basically they're they're scriptural. They're just worded. They're just not exact scripture, but they are scripture. They are solid biblical principles um, just kind of written out in a poetic form is really what it comes down to. And, uh, yeah, those are, again, those are the things that come to my mind also during the night when I can't sleep. It's just, those are the things that hymns are the things that are the words that ground me. And so I, I love that. That is so awesome. So you, you said you have a little book with hymns on the front and the history on the back. Is that something you wrote or something I compiled all the hymns are out of copyright and Mm -hmm. I I had helpers do the research. I did some editing. And so there's a hundred hymns with a, it's eight and a half by 11. So it's not a little book. It's Mm -hmm. (laughs) on the one side of the page is uh, the whole history of the hymn. And on the right hand side of the page is the hymn itself. And that's available, obviously, if you want to buy one. But yeah. it's also on buildingfaithfamilies.org website. It's available okay. as a PDF. Wonderful. And I keep one open on my – I just read it. I read it from a, a PDF because I keep one open on my computer all the time. Mm. Wonderful. Well, we will make sure that we leave um, the links for that in the show notes. One last question before I have you share ways, all the different ways that families can connect with you. Uh, How do parents remain faithful even when it's hard? So can you give them something to go back to or just something that they can go back to to remind themselves when things get hard? I think it's... You know, we're, we're disciples. Mm-hmm. And even though I did not like this connection, word connection, when I was a young disciple, but disciple and discipline go hand in hand. Mm. And we just developed good habits. I, okay. I don't like uh, getting up and reading my Bible every single morning, but God's right. helped me to do that. So that's a mm-hmm. part of that's part of my daily rhythm, my daily discipline. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with uh, going to church. During my really tough times when Johnny was born and had open heart surgery and we went through a really kind of a dark time for almost two years, um, I still went to church twice a week because Mm -hmm. that was a habit. And Mm -hmm. I didn't always participate as much as I used to, but I was still there. And I I feel like having family worship is in the same category. You just Mm -hmm. do it. And Mm -hmm. whether you're inspired or whether you have something fresh or whether you're looking forward to it, it's just important. It's part of the rhythm of a home is just to open God's word and just come to him and say, Lord, here I am. Don't have much powder this morning. Mm -hmm. Uh, Could you meet with us, please? (laughs) We're we're, we're all hurting and we need some help. And that's also where you might put Deuteronomy on hold and just go read some Psalms for a couple of days. Exactly. Yeah. it It doesn't say anywhere in the Bible what to do or what it looks like. It just says do it. Just to do it. Yes. And so, and so as 
as we just do the best we can with what we have and God will help us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I love that. I so appreciate you being here today and sharing with us. I'd like you to, again, share with the uh, audience ways that they can connect with you. Uh, remind us where the hymns are found. Remind us where the um, the family worship book can be found. All of that. Okay. So all of these are on a website I have called Building Faith families.org no spaces and um, there's a bunch of books there that I've written I also have a podcast so yes, I have yes. a podcast it has a podcast folks <laughs> if you didn't hear that <laughs> and and I speak at conferences uh, tomorrow at this time I'll be leading a workshop on um, family communication in Texas awesome but, and Great. let me just tell you one cool thing that I've been doing this year Dorinda you're gonna oh, like sure. this yeah well, I could talk about this subject for hours, but you know mm-hmm. what I'm doing at conferences now? I only speak for like 20, 25 minutes, and then I break up the room into small groups of families. Mm. But you can't be with anybody that you know. Even the spouses have to break up. So I put them in families of six. I say one person be the head of the household, and then I give them a script. It's John chapter 10. 30 verses and they read three verses. They go around the head of household opens with prayer. Mm. I give them a game to play before they're done. And then they each share a testimony. And then we get back together after 20, 25 minutes and we debrief Mm. and it gives them a chance to do it. And it takes the overwhelm out of it. It Mm. demystifies it. And the last time I did this was just two weeks ago. I had two people when we were debriefing said, I can do this. This is easy. You you simplified it. You just read the Bible. And I said, yes, that's all we do. <laughs> and, um, I love that. It, it, and it, it just gives people a, a, a flavor instead of mm-hmm. just listening to you and I talk about it. Right. They get to dig in and they actually get try a chance it. to apply mm-hmm. it themselves. And yeah. I'm finding it bears so much fruit. So anyway, buildingfaithfamilies.org and my email uh, it, it says somewhere on there, but it's just spdemi at gmail.com. Stephen okay. P. Demi at gmail. You can email me. And anyway, I can help you. I'm happy to help you. And uh, I really appreciate you inviting me on and to talk about this important subject. Well, I appreciate you spending time with us. This has been fantastic and I think a great encouragement to all of us. So um, I'm just going to have you go ahead and close in a word of prayer. Amen. Uh, let me just say this. I dealt with condemnation for probably most of my Christian life. And in Mm. 2012, God took me deeper and I'm finally believing the gospel, which is he doesn't just love us. He likes us Mm. because of what Jesus has done. But Mm -hmm. Romans 8, 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation to homeschoolers in Christ Jesus. (laughs) That's the Steve International version. So now let's pray. Father, in Jesus name, Free us from condemnation. Free us from thinking that you don't like us. Help Mm. us to know that you have our back, that Mm. you're on our team, and that we can do all things with your help. And I Mm. pray that you'll bless each person listening today just to take baby steps with you and find that you're there holding their hand each way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, moms, one more resource before we leave. Um, Classical Conversations. Um, Classical Conversations equips 
parents with a proven curriculum and support from a local community of homeschool families all walking the same path together. You're their first teacher, be their best teacher. Learn how to make homeschooling doable at classicalconversations.com slash Dorinda. That's classicalconversations.com slash Dorinda. Have a great day, moms.